Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Bo Show. I'm Dr. Bo Beard from the farm in Birmingham, Alabama. On today's show is Jeff Martinez. For a long time, I thought it was Martinez. It's Martinez. Uh, Jeff is part of the team at Track Shack, which, which is, uh, in my opinion, one of the best uh, running shoe stores in Birmingham, one of the best uh, running specialty stores probably in the nation. And uh, Jeff and I talk about a plethora of things. Uh, uh, first of all, Jeff, uh, he's been with Track Shack since 1995. He was a competitive runner at University of Alabama, Birmingham. Uh, he's originally from Boaz. He was a middle distance guy, did some field events. Uh, he's just all in on the running world and now the running community in and around Birmingham. So he's just awesome to talk to, a wealth of knowledge. We talk about a quick review on uh, the North Face shoes that I've been trying out. Uh, part of the new Vective line. We talk about shoe fitting, uh, common myths and misconceptions with uh, running shoes, injury prevention. I mean, really anything, socks, accessories, insoles, everything you could name. Uh, so I really appreciate him being on the show and I know that you guys are going to get a lot out of it. Well, <laughs> I want to dive right into this and funny enough, man, I don't even, I, don't, I think it came up on my Facebook feed this morning. Um, do you ever... I've never actually heard of this website. So Podium Runner, do you ever get on there or know what yeah. about? So they well, have, I haven't been on in a while, but I, I know what you're I know, I know talking about. So they had an article on the Vective today, and that's what I wanted to jump off on was just like using that shoe as, you know, kind of the new innovations that are coming on. But uh, from what I've read, and then I'll have you dive into this, and for anybody that doesn't know, uh, you can see this thing. This is the Infinite. If I'm correct on that, I don't know if you can tell from looking you at are. it. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But in Podium Runner, I'll put a link to this article in the show notes for everybody. But it's basically talking about the innovations that North Face uh, put into the shoe that it's supposed to, you know, maximize basically energy that you're putting into the ground, which is, you know, talked about a lot with, you know, Nike's racers and pretty much every shoe company now. But then also talking about the grip technology and then how they specifically designed a lot of, uh, in particular, what's the carbon plated version of this? Uh, it's the, uh, oh man, you put me on the, it's a, I got this, it. So you had infinite and the you flight. got, um, the flight. Yeah. Infinite. And then the other is the, yeah. Yeah. And the Endurus is with the, the carbon plate. Yeah. That's the flight. Same built on the same. Yeah. Endurus and, that, and what was interesting is they built the flight for women specifically is what this article is saying that they were looking for like force production from the ground based on, uh, some of their elite, like ultra runners. So yeah, there's the, for the Vective, that's the flight, the infinites, the middle, and then the Enduris is like the max like cushion version. So what's, uh, I know you've had some runners try this around the Birmingham community and you guys, obviously we're going to dive into a bunch of running stuff, but just on this shoe, what's been some feedback, what are your thoughts on it? And then we'll get into kind of where shoes are going overall. Well, I, I think that uh, with the Vective line, I was, I was surprised that everybody's favorite, like I expected everybody's favorite to be the, the Endurus uh, mm -hmm. just because of the maximal type feel to it. They had a little bit more forgiveness to it. You know, it was a, plastic polyurethane plate as opposed to p-backs or or carbon and which are a little bit more rigid and so i expected it to be the the most popular and and uh turns out the infinite the one that you got has actually been the most popular everybody mm -hmm. that has done the same thing as you did like you got to try on all three right and, yeah and uh, everybody that has tried on all three the most have gone towards the infinite i think everybody likes the upper you know i think that it's a little bit more open in the toe 
Yeah. Uh, and, and so that the upper is a little bit different. They use a different material, uh, around the forefoot and compared to the flight and, and, uh, the Endura. So it's, it, I was surprised at that, uh, overall feedback, you know, I've had a couple of folks that went into like 50 Ks and 50 milers and I'm right away and came back with nothing but, you know, raving reviews. So pretty pumped about that. I think it's a huge hit for North Face considering what they had released <laughs> previously. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I, overall I was surprised that again, the, the middle of the road one was the one that everybody liked. Yeah. Well, and for people that have followed me and it's not like I'm some heretical, you know, minimalist person, but like, this is a pretty big shoe from what I'm used to it, it, as far as like what's underfoot. But there's two things that I kind of found interesting. Like I remember I ran in, I can't remember the model, one of the cushier ultras when it first came out and um, like a demo. Oh, and I was Memphis. like, yeah. And I, they yeah. were out at Oak mountain. I remember I just ran around the lake and I felt like I was having to work so hard because of how much like energy it was dampening. And I was like, man, that's like mm -hmm. no bueno. But then these, you think you're going to get that, but it's actually like, there are two things. I was like, man, it's pretty responsive, but my foot got worked like the arch of my foot, which you wouldn't think in a shoe like this, you think it would kind of like do the work for you, but you're still having to kind of like, you know, manage like stability on your own. So for people out there that are like, you know, I don't, maybe, you know, offhand, I don't know the stack height under here, but it's a lot more than I'm used 20, to. 25, 19. Yeah. So yeah, it, 25, 19. So yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think it's. Yeah, I'm gonna try them in the Lake Martin 27 miler actually Saturday, um, and we'll just that'll oh, be my sweet. first really long run in them. And then if I, you know, dig them beyond that, I'm gonna kind of strap them on for the rest of the races for the spring and going into the summer. Um, but jumping off the North Face shoe, which is you know they've got a lot of hype at that, and like you said, North Face literally messed up a lot, and they kind of fessed up to that, which I thought was cool. Of like, hey, we had some not awesome shoes. We, they went back into the lab, kept doing like, you know, prototypes with athletes. Um, but really it comes out that, yeah, this is all here, but you know, that's what Nike's doing and Brooks and everybody's kind of going to the same way. So I just kind of wanted to get a state of the union on like shoot running shoes. Like where do you think in general things heading, you know, we, it's always ebbs and flows, right. Minimalist. And then, you know, the Hoka and it's like the, there's trends, but like, where's the industry heading right now? Or is there a general, are there each company's doing its own thing? Like, what are you seeing overall right now? Well, I would say overall, everybody's leaning more towards, um, backing away from terms like motion control and support and, hosting and you know terms that you know have been used over the years for for folks looking for stability and whatnot and i think terms like guidance and leaning more towards natural motion um as opposed you know as as opposed to the shoe stopping or controlling something it's it's going towards working more with the foot um i, I remember years ago at a, at a, a running seminar i saw uh, simon bartold i don't know if you've heard that name but yep. uh he was big with ASICs and, and he said this probably 10 or 12 years ago. He said the way that the industry is going to go is towards really working on um, uh, working with the foot in, in, in natural motion. And so, and I think that that's gone that way. You see Brooks with the biggest change that they made to their most popular selling shoe, the adrenaline two years ago, going with these things called guide rails, as opposed to using 
uh, a glued in uh, section of foam or, or a firmer, more denser foam on the medial side of the shoe to, to help control overpronation. Um, so uh, I, I, you know, Nike and Brooks both are sort of the leaders in, in going that route, especially Nike. I mean, Nike's really dropped. I mean, they don't even have like, you know, they have support shoes if you want to call it that, but mm. they really have gone more neutral and more natural motion. And then brands like your fave, I mean, ultra, they've been on that. They've been on that forever, you yeah. know? And, and I think that with them, they can use what, what they had already kind of started and begun and, and just have uh, just approve, improved upon their shoes. So um, I, I definitely see this, this shift in losing those, those terms again, that control term and, and support term. Now I want to dive off on a couple things there. And like, <laughs> I, who has a disclaimer? Uh, I don't know if you know, great cook, like uh, functional movement at the beginning of each one of their podcasts, there's a disclaimer that says the opinions of the, the hosts of this podcast are not the opinions of FMS movement systems or things funny. Cause they started it. But, <laughs> so maybe we should say we want Jeff's opinion. He doesn't necessarily speak on behalf of track shack completely. Right. So I want, it, I want you to be able to speak. Do you, okay, think, all right, all right. do you think when they're, these companies are moving away from the terms like motion control stability and moving towards guidance, is that true or the, or are they just term like changing the terminology? Like is the shoe similar or is it really changing? I think it's really changing. I, I really do. I mean, I, I look at the structure of the shoe uh, and like, if you look at how let's just use the most popular motion control shoe, for instance, ever the beast, the Brooks beast, you know, everybody knows that shoe. And so if you look at where that shoe was in 2014, so just seven years ago, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a tank. You know, there's no other way to describe it. I mean, it was yeah. a tank. And so, and it was all based on, you know, controlling motion and, and, and honestly, what the end result was, was probably weakening feet and, and, and weakening lower legs and, and not working the foot at all, basically, you know, trying to work for the foot, I guess. And so, you know, you look at the new design of that shoe is probably one of the biggest uh, examples of how they're trying to work with these new foams and these new designs to not limit motion as much as just work with motion. So I, I do think there is there, obviously there's a lot of marketing and running shoes. I mean, there's yeah. no doubt, you know, it's just, and, and you pick, you, you pick the innovation of the moment, right. And you just go with the marketing for it. And, but I do think that if you were to compare previous models and I keep using Brooks as an example, since mm-hmm. it's number one in running, but if you use previous models of those inline, most popular selling shoes, the beast and the adrenaline, um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on all the control and support shoes just because I think the biggest changes have come in those. Um, but you really can see and feel a difference. Okay. Well, in, you know, talking about, uh, you know, making the foot work and like, actually, you know, the shoes kind of working with it. It's, I mean, it's interesting a to hear the changes in just like foam, right. Like moving, like how they're, you know, trying to manipulate, how the foam responds, like something that you told me when I was in there last time, um, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here is, uh, go over this real quick. Like the foam, what were we saying? Like it compresses more, but it's more responsive or it's something that didn't seem to make sense. Like, how's that happen? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Brooks came out with their new DNA loft foam 
And so what they found with all their studies was the way they measure foams and shoes is by durometer. It's just basically just the density of the foam. So the lower the number, the softer the shoe. And so what Brooks was uh, putting in their DNA loft and DNA loft plus shoes was um, uh, the durometer was, was lower. So it was around, I can't remember the exact number, but I'm, I'm 55 was popping in my head for some reason. But what they found was that it was more responsive. So it, it, it usually the firmer, the more responsive the shoe. So back in the day, that's the reason why everybody wanted to wear a racing flat and something thin and, and light. And the reason why you have carbon plates, you know, it's denser and it's more firm and it and it's and there's more energy to be saved there. Um, but what they found was in, in this one, there's a sweet spot, right? You know, you can't go too low or it's just too soft. But what they were doing was putting a lower density foam but getting more responsiveness from it so it didn't it actually was sort of uh, counterintuitive i guess yeah, uh, I usually guess. the softer it is like you were saying earlier the, the softer it is the more you have to work to get out of it basically or get up get your foot off the ground but this one was more responsive so yeah i want to know what and, and you've got um, i was gonna say i just want to know ahead. what magical willy wonka lab they're cooking this stuff up in like that seems crazy <laughs> like I don't know. Well, I haven't I haven't seen the newest lab, but you would love it. I saw their old lab, man. It was like a <laughs> they've got a treadmill, you know, that's like twenty five feet long, and then they've got like a they have a a, a compression uh, machine over on the side that basically is just sitting there with a midsole, and it's just compressing it, and it and and it's keeping up with how many times it compresses, and that way they can know the true durability of the shoe. I mean, it really is like a. You know, they don't have beakers and stuff laying around, but it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> well, and one thing on the, you know, like how technology is going and then something that's really popular to talk about in my field is, you know, neck, no technology is going to beat your foot. Right. Which is kind of, it's, mm. it's a, I don't know. It's just a catchy thing to say, right? Yeah. We all get it, but also we start wearing shoes when we're little kids, it's concrete you know, you want to run a bunch of miles and you didn't start running, you know, like a, uh, you know, Ethiopian or Kenyan where it wasn't part of your culture to start running at a very early age, a lot of miles. So I think that's where we got to say, like shoes are there to help you do what you want to do. You can rely too much, right? Like you said, that beast can create a deconditioning kind of uh, thing. But again, these are opinions. Like, you know, you have data to back some of this stuff up, but like when we look at places that have these big labs, right? Nike, um, in the trail running world, like S lab, Solomon's lab, like huge, you know, what's your take on, you know, not that it's right or wrong, but just what's the take like ultra. And a lot of these companies are moving to this kind of, you know, it fits your foot, right. That we have a wider toe box. It's not compressing, but then you see these huge data driven companies, Nike, Solomon Brooks still have a non-conforming shoe, right? Pretty narrow. Some of them are not notoriously narrow, like a Pegasus and, some Brooks shoes. Like, do you think that really, what's your opinion on how much that affects like foot performance and running performance and maybe not injuries. Cause that's a different conversation. Yeah. I, I think that, so, you know, ultra, you know, came from, you got to back all the way up to the barefoot movement or whatever, and where ultra came from it. And what they realized was, Hey man, we can make a shoe that's shaped like a foot and we can, you know, use that to uh, prevent, you know, a lot of these foot uh, conditions and foot abnormalities, you know, bunions and callusing and hammer toes. And, mm -hmm. you know, we can, we can design a shoe that way and prevent a lot of that stuff. But also I do believe that that's where uh, 
we come into play as well. So sticking with the the, the popular brands with, that haven't changed really the shape of their shoes so much, uh, that's where you know having a store like ours in town where somebody can come in and we can say, sure, look, Ultra tells you that you know wearing shoes that are shaped like shoes um, can mess with your feet, but mm-hmm. if if you get fit properly, you know if you know that the Pegasus runs narrow and you've got the biggest, widest foot on the planet, you know, we're not going to put you in that shoe, you know, and and then also really the biggest thing in 26 years of doing this in Birmingham, you know, they, the biggest thing that we deal with on a daily basis is sizing. People just wear their shoes too small. And so when you know that and you can properly fit somebody, even in a shoe that's shaped, you know, not necessarily anatomically correct, if you fit them properly, you can still avoid those same things that Ultra is avoiding by shaping their shoe the way they do. That's a really good point. And that's, I don't know where this, uh, the stat came from, but I know I've seen it in the research that on average, most people are in a shoe that's one and a half times too small. And usually that's a big width margin because people don't want a special order. It's harder to get a wider shoe. Do you guys, do you find that you usually are accommodating width or length or both? Like what's a, a more common like mistake for people to be doing? The, the most common is, is I think the most common mistake is length, you know, cause folks just, they, you know, now you go shopping, you don't get measured like you used to, right? Like you used to go in when you're, you're with your mom and, you know, when you were 16 and the last, that's probably the last time anybody's ever been mm. measured. Right. So, so the first part is that to, to think that you're wearing the same shoe size as you wore when you were 16 is wrong. <laughs> right. And so the, the second is, is that measurement was probably the measurement of your foot to, to its, to its length, you know? So let's say your foot measures to a 10. Well, if you wear a 10 in a shoe that's shaped like a traditional shoe, then eventually your foot will become shaped like that shoe, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so what we do is measure to the length, the end length of your foot, you know, and then go up at least a full size. So, and it is the biggest argument. <laughs> it's the only way to put it is the biggest argument sometimes, but, uh, but on the width side, we have started carrying a lot more uh, wides just in general. Like there's no, honestly, there's very little need to carry narrows. I mean, we do still carry them, but your company's uh, ASICs, uh, for instance, is making less and less narrows and more women's wides now, actually. And so I think that that's a true sign too, that these shoe companies are accommodating, like trying to prevent some of these, uh, again, going back to the foot abnormality, you know, bunions and callusing mm-hmm. and whatnot. But, uh, but I do think that it shows in how many widths we're actually carrying now in, in wides, not, and again, when I say widths, I mean, wides, not, not narrows. So. Well, it makes common sense when you're like, you know, your foot will conform to a, I mean, that's like Chinese foot bondage, right? Like you're going <laughs> to, yeah. and I, I always, I make my mom feel terrible that, you know, I have kind of one <laughs> foot that's bigger than the other. Like a lot of people do, you know, barely. And I remember I wore these pair of like mitre. Do you remember mitre, like soccer cleats? Like uh, <laughs> I wore it cause I loved them. I yes. wore them until my like toes were like at the edge. And I'm like, I swear you messed my foot up on the left. And I like make fun of my mom, like my <laughs> shoes, which was not the case, but I, that's a great point that I don't think a lot of people think about. Right. They think, well, yeah, get an ultra and the ultra. What do a lot of people say? Oh, this feels too big right? They'll buy the same size and mm-hmm. like, oh, it feels too big. And you're like, no, that's probably normal, right? Yeah, you have more right. movement and you're just yep. not like used to it. 
Um, and I've even heard people say that they'll size down and I'm like, no, like now you're going to, you know, especially running trails, like run into the end of that thing, going down a hill. And, you know, now you're dealing with all these toenail issues. Uh, just to add two cents on that foot conformity thing. That's what Solomon bases their, especially S lab high end shoes off of, right. They take their runners literally digitally scan mm-hmm. their feet. Well, if you look at all of the really good runners in the world, they typically have a higher arch and more narrow foot. So then you get mm-hmm. the, the lay runner, they get into the, that same shoe. It's just, it may not work. And that's, you know, the yeah. big, and you know, this as well as I do, the biggest kind of, uh, I guess, jumping off point for uh, shoe performance is like comfort, right? Like, Hey, if you're going to increase 100%. performance, reduce injury, like it's gotta be comfortable because your foot needs that feedback. So what do you, in the, in the shop, when you're like, take us through a fitting process, like what's, um, are you guys using Brainic devices still? Are you watching people walk or like, how do you, do they run in them? Like what's, how's it go down? Well, I th- the majority is we obviously want to see emotion and, and, and we have, we have had a treadmill in the past in the store, but it's just in the retail setting, it, it's, it's just difficult. You know, if you walk into our shops on a Saturday, it's impossible for one of our sales associates to go over to the side and do a full gait analysis. We'll leave that to you. I'll leave that to the professionals, you know? So if somebody comes in and truly wants that, then I'm referring mm-hmm. to you. You know, I, I don't, I, we, we could do that and we could show them a lot of things, you know, as far as how their foot moves in with in a full running motion. But uh, in a retail setting for us, it's just easier for first, we're going to have folks, you know, take their shoes off, uh, watch them walk a little bit just to see, how their arch responds to, to weight bearing, you know, and, and, and then see also, you know, how their, how their feet move in general, but also look at, uh, you know, I'm judging width and, and already trying to get a, a couple of shoes in my mind that I think will work just watching them walk. Um, we do use a variation of the brain device. It's not the big metal thing. <laughs> we use these sticks, you know, which we've just used forever. And, and, um, it just, it just works. It's, it, it, and it just gives us a good idea. Cause that number, honestly, we know this, right? Like that number from brand to brand is different, you know, so mm-hmm. you, you may wear 11 and a half and like you do in, in, in North face and ultra and whatnot, but you may wear, you know, 12 and Nike, or you may wear an 11 and, and a Hoka, you know, so knowing, you know, so getting that, that true links, and then we're going to bring out three or four different sizes and, and going to your point about comfort, you know, everybody's like, okay, so which one do I pick? And it's like, honestly, this is all about comfort. So um, they are welcome to, we let folks take the shoes outside and run on the sidewalk. We let folks, you know, run around the shop, you know, and, and, and take their time at it, you know, and, and, and make sure that they are truly comfortable with it. But the little things that you're looking for in the store are, you know, things that might develop hot spots. Um, mm-hmm. If the collar hits your ankle bone, if you little, you know, if you feel an overlay of a shoe or something like that, where, you know, right away, if you're going to go out and run, it's going to bother you. Um, but it, again, it hundred percent comes down to, uh, to, uh, uh, comfort. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a pretty standard process. I think, you know, I, I've even been in, which I think, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. Like I've been in high end running stores where you still, you know, you go like pick the shoe and you're like, Hey, I'm going to get this. And I think if you go into a really good shop, like I think the sales associate is still going to be like, well, have you tried this on? Like they may let you pick that, but like, Hey, there's this other shoe because yeah. feel the difference. And you may, I mean, you know, this, I, 
as well as I do, the shoe changes year to year, model to model. Like I was so upset when sure. I changed the Brooks Cascadia from that first or second generation <laughs> that it got really big. Same thing with the Nike yeah. Wild Horse. And then you're like, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but like, I think that's the good <laughs> running shop is like uh, creating options that people didn't know existed because they may just, they don't know. Right. And then yeah. you're like, this may be better for you. Or like, I now feel like I need to go get my foot like resized. Like I can't remember the last time I did it. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm running around a shoe that's too small or something like that. So I'm going to have to come in and do that. Um, well, my first question to those that come in and say, I want this shoe off the wall uh, is, you know, is why, you know, first of all, have you been wearing that shoe for years? Is that just your model? Cause I want to know the answer to that question. If that's the case, then usually that's a safe bet. Like, you know, that the a6 gt 2000 has worked for you forever the brooks ghost has worked for you forever let's just get the same size in that new one try it on make sure it fits properly because it does change mm-hmm. but um, if they say i read a review about the shoe and it got raving you know rave reviews then that's like okay let's let's talk about this a little bit <laughs> you know because you, you know does your foot shape even match the shoe uh, did your buddy tell you about it? Cause if your buddy told you about it, then we definitely need to talk about it. You know, obviously y'all's feet probably differ. And so, you know, I think that there's definitely something to, again, coming into our shop and, and let's just, you know, chat about it, make sure you're looking at the right thing. And that's, I mean, you know, again, there's variations. I think people, you know, nowadays, uh, you know, people are just buying a shoe online, which, you know, a lot of the companies you can try it on, you can use it, send it back. But I think a lot of people maybe. I mean, I know a ton of people buy a shoe and they're not super happy with it, but it's easier to keep it than it is to send mm-hmm. it back and they just run in it. And then all of a sudden, like, yeah, I don't really like it. And then they got like 10 pairs of shoes that nothing, none of them really work. It's like, man, you could save yourself so much money yeah. time if you just like went and like try, like got them locally. And so I just kind of, I think you're going to see a change. Yeah. And I know Solomon's trying to do this, like scan your foot at home thing, which is crazy and stuff, but what yeah talking about you know shopping online and scanning your feet is there anything coming up in the shoe industry or changing um as far as like how people like are custom shoes going to be a thing in five years like where people are going to be able to fully customize like is there anything coming out that's like just completely different well we've seen we talked to brooks actually came out with this not too long ago where they were talking about uh putting uh, scanners and in, in, in 3d printers in stores and, and oh, wow. stuff like that. And, and so, um, we haven't, we haven't really, I don't know how it went. I think it was put in a few stores and, uh, and I haven't heard like how the, the overall test of those have gone. Uh, we have seen some of that. Um, we haven't, honestly, there's not anything other than the traditional fit process that, that we have planned, you know, as mm-hmm. far as, as getting into something different. Um, it's just worked for us and we haven't seen anything really that much better, uh, you know, over the years, um, what, what you're going to see, and, and this is Nike's really leading this charge is, um, they're really going to limit who can carry their shoes. Um, so like running specialty stores like ours, um, we're going to be exclusive on a lot of things. Um, and <clears throat> I think that, that is while they know that they're they're obviously their overwhelming businesses online mm-hmm. um they understand the importance of small shops and and guys that have been doing this stuff for years like me in in, in cities you know that have big running communities they understand that importance and so they're 
I think there's going to be more and more of this this uh, exclusivity to to running specialty stores and Nike, for instance, for us, like all the new racing stuff. I mean, you're going to be the only, probably, possibly, the state of Alabama where you can find um, those those shoes. And you know, they give us some some help by letting us release it earlier than them, and you know that sort of thing. And so, uh, I, I see some of these larger companies working with us, you know, again, hopefully that's understanding the importance of us locally. And, and, uh, so, um, again, as far as like tech wise, we see a lot of shoe changes, you know, that, that are coming, but as far as like the fit process goes and, and, uh, you know, scanners and 3d printers and stuff like that, we don't have really any plans to add anything about that yet. Well, if anybody's ever read the book shoe dog, and if you haven't, you should, uh, and that's, it's (laughs) It's kind of, it's kind of maybe a nod to how they got their start, right? Like they're mm-hmm. owing up that like they started, I mean, extremely small shoe and selling shoes out of the back of a trunk and then all the local retailers on the West coast and, and then it blew up. But I also like that higher end speciality because it's kind of like ski boots. If you're going to buy a super high end snow skiing boot, there's no way you're buying it online, wearing it off the shelf. Like, I mean, you got to get it fitted. Then, you know, you got to tweak it. Like, so talking about these tweaks and like fitting a boot, let's get into, cause you're the guy to ask this stuff. Let's get into the specifics around shoes. Right. So, mm-hmm. and this is a huge question. I understand. So maybe we can <laughs> attack it broadly, but like insoles. So when you're trying okay. to, so we got a shoe for somebody, right? It's a comfortable shoe and maybe somebody has been wearing an insole or how do you determine that it may help somebody like, if it, you know, a super fee or whatever it is, like, how do you go about that process? Well, we have always had, there's a lot of, there's a lot of brands out there. I guess I'll use that term that, that believe in the, the add-on sale for insoles, right? Like the old, uh, just for feet model in, in just for feet before you were in Birmingham, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, just for feet's model was, you know, the, the, you know, you had the sales associate take the insole out of the shoe and flop it around and say, Hey, look how flimsy this is. You need this thick cushioned you know, insole in every shoe, but basically everybody knows it was just an add-on. So they wanted to get you to spend an extra 40 bucks. So we've never approached it that way because the insoles that we carry are, are, are like orthotics, you know, they're not, they're not soft. They're not cushy. Not everybody likes them. Uh, you know, so we really take the approach of, uh, using them for comfort, you know? So if somebody comes in, for instance, and has a super high rigid arch, every shoe they try on, they're like, I can't, I can't feel the arch. I don't feel the arch in the shoe. And so that's an instance where we're like, Hey, let's add this to it. See if you like the way it feels and, and improve the overall comfort for your foot shape in the shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, so we use that a lot for folks who are just looking for that arch. And, and so, so often folks mistake arch support with feeling the arch in the shoe. And that's really more of how the shoe is designed and how, it, it, it's probably not like if you feel the arts too much, then it's probably not the right shape for your foot shape, you know? So, so uh, we use it for that comfort issue a lot, but then we also will use it for, you know, little things like to help control plantar fasciitis. Uh, if, if folks are having, you know, some, some foot pains, forefoot pain and, 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 and plantar fascia pain or heel pain, then we'll add that arch to get some relief just to lift that plantar uh, tendon and support it a little bit more. Uh, we've seen it work with uh, forefoot conditions like neuroma, neuromas and capsulitis, uh, where you you increase 
the surface area contact with the sole of your foot. And so then it evenly distributes pressure throughout your foot a little bit better. Uh, so the power step insole we carry, for instance, is our most popular seller. And it's just this, you know, it's more structured arch. You know, it's not what people anticipate adding to their shoe when they have heel pain or when they have forefoot pain. They expect a, a, a gelin <laughs> or, you know, or Dr. Shell's gelin insole or whatever. You know, yeah. when we put that firmer insole, they're usually surprised by that. But again, what we've learned is that it does help, uh, can, you know, it's not, it's not the fix, right. But it does help prevent, uh, and help control some of those, uh, general foot pains and more common foot conditions like plantar fasciitis and aromas and whatnot. So, um, I, I feel too, that once you start wearing them, it's hard to get away from them. Yeah. Um, and, and so like for me, for instance, I'll wear a shoe for a while without it. And, and then I just always want to have it put back in the shoe. And so uh, <clears throat> we do, you know, I, I, I just like the overall comfort of it. So mm-hmm. a lot of times it's not necessarily fixing a condition as much as it is just, uh, uh just for the comfort part of yeah. it. Well, and you made a good point. But certainly not an add-on. Yeah, try, yeah, yeah. It's not, not just a sales tactic, yeah. Um, well, you made a good point with somebody that thinks that, you know, if they have foot pain, like, yeah, exactly. they're going to get something <clears throat> softer because that just makes it feel better. But talking about, like, you know, surface area and contact surface area, like your feet have are densely populated with, you know, nerve endings, free nerve endings, which help with mechanoreception, proprioception. And that's the thing that's lacking in most people, that's ultras whole model, right? If your foot's in this, you know, is there going to say a foot coffin mm-hmm. or a, you know, sensory deprivation chamber, your foot doesn't have <laughs> feedback. And in my world, the way we explain this sometimes is the lack of feedback sometimes just correlates to pain. It doesn't have to be an injury. Like your brain's just like, I can't get you to do something. can't get you to do something. I'm going to light you up with pain. Guess what you did? You stopped, you changed, you changed shoes, you stopped running and you got a response. So kind of what you're saying is that firmness. Yeah. It does a couple things. It, provides support. It also increases responsiveness. So you're not having to work as hard with the soft tissues that are getting beat up, but it's also increasing input. So that's where it's good to kind of, you know, show people through how it feels rather than try to explain sometimes. Cause if you put somebody in a very soft cushiony thing and let them walk around like, Oh, that feels awesome. But you try to run in that it could be the worst thing you do. Right. Cause now you're working harder, yeah. more load. Um, what about and before Hoka? Oh, go ahead. Not to yep. interrupt, sorry, but before no. Hoka, like that was our, you know, this this uh, right now, especially with nurses and doctors, frontline workers and whatnot. We 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 had so many nurses come in and, and their feet are killing them by the end of the day, and doctors, and surgeons, you know, the same thing. And uh, before Hoka, our fix was to to add an insult to the shoe, you know. And again, mm-hmm. you know, you you could. You could have a, a nurse come in that said her feet are killing her, and I could take three or four insoles out of the shoe because <laughs> she's just trying to make it like a mattress, you know. <laughs> and and so so I would, you know, when you just replace it with that one more structured insole, what we found was, and the reason why I started wearing them was standing on my feet so much, my feet were just bothering me, you know. And so so adding that insole to it actually supports that foot well enough to where at the end of the day your feet aren't just you know dying. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a lot, you know, uh, I'll probably have somebody bombard me from the barefoot camp, which, yeah, I think your feet need to be stronger, need to move better and all that stuff. But at the same time you're standing, I know the floor of track shack is concrete. If you stand on a concrete floor all day, which we're meant to vary movement, we're probably, you know, like, you, sh- you know, sit in a squat, sit cross-legged, 
you sit on your, you're on your feet for a while and then you're in a shoe, which changes your foot a little bit. Like it's going to get mm-hmm. affected. So there are things to offset. And that's why I tell people like, if you're at home, you're barefoot, right? If you're, mm-hmm. you know, I have, you know, tons of nurses and doctors I see and I'm like, that's totally fine. But realize if you want to run and you're using the shoe to support you all day, you may hit this like head where it's like, your foot's going to hurt worse when you go run because it's not getting worked. Like that shoe's helping you. So you mm-hmm. got to get out of your shoes like, yeah. at night. Cause you've probably heard some of the craziness where some, somebody gets told to wear shoes in bed by a doctor and make sure as soon as they hit the floor, like wear your shoes. And I'm like, your foot's still a foot. Never heard. Wearing- oh, I've had just in the past month, a podiatrist told somebody they need to wear their tennis shoes in bed to keep their, which doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know it happens, man. Um, <laughs> wow. But my, my oh, analogy was, can you imagine wearing oven mitts all day? Like how terrible you'd be with your hands. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. And I was like, just, you can wear some, yeah. oh, something around the house. Just don't wear them in bed for the sake of your marriage. Oh. Like, come on. That's one of the best stories I've ever heard. I've never heard that. <laughs> oh yeah. You hear lots of stuff when you're in it long enough. Man. I'm sure you've yeah. heard some stuff. I well, heard some, but that one's pretty crazy. <laughs> so insole is really common and you know, like you said, it comes down to what do people like, and then also helping them like a shoe, like, Hey, this will help you. Like, that's why, you know, like Superfeet has a bunch of different colors. It's the different responsiveness and you know, everything. Sure. What about, and maybe that this is just like, Oh, it's whatever you like. What about socks? Like people ask, cause people ask me all the time, the littlest details, <laughs> cause they usually don't want to do the big stuff. They want all the other stuff that they could do. And I'm like, you need to go get barefoot, but they're like, what else could I do? So socks how important is it to you know based on like how much you're running and things like that like how much does that sock play into what's going to happen with the foot and the shoe well socks are huge and and mainly i guess the best way to put it is moisture management right like we're we're, you're trying to to uh, hold less moisture you're trying to keep it breathable while still obviously protecting your foot from from high abrasion, you know, causing blisters and things like that. So, um, the way that socks, you know, with us, we've always said, this is bad. It was, we always say cotton is rotten, right? Like we, we, we want to stay away from cotton. It gets abrasive when it gets wet, it expands, it loses its shape and its form. And so for years and years, it was just polyester and nylon and, and, and lycra blends that, that allow the sock to form to your foot or size properly. They're not just this huge range of sizes, you know, where it's like, it fits a men's six to 12, you know, which is, you know, or something like that. It's extra small through extra large in the sock. So you get a perfect fit. Um, and then brands started going right and left footed, you know, and, and, and having, uh, the shape of the, the, the shape of the sock actually match the shape of your foot with a longer part of it towards your middle and larger toes. <clears throat> and, you know, the arch was actually more contoured to your arch uh, and so that, that happened. And then you've got now where, uh, you've gone into even compressive properties in the socks that, that help with, with foot pains and, and even, uh, Achilles conditions and stuff. So CEP and OS first, the two brands that we carry have really, uh, have really stepped up the sock game, I guess is the best way to put it by, uh, by making these compression zones that, that that lift, help lift the arch, help support the plantar tendon, uh, plantar fascia and, and, and sole fascia and all that. And then, uh, and then also go up into the Achilles, uh, and have some compressive properties there that help with just controlling pain to, to a certain extent. So, um, we 
tell folks that, you know, right. We always have this buy three, get one free deal. And, and if, so, if folks are just now getting into running socks, the best thing to do is to probably get three or four of them and, you know, pick the one you like the best. But functionally for me, uh, I wear a little bit thicker sock in the winter just to help keep my feet warmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you have a narrower foot, we'll recommend a thicker sock. So that helps with the fit of the shoe a little bit. Um, if you have a wider foot, then we'll stick to a thinner uh, sock like a Swiftwick or, or these new OS, OS First Thin Air socks that, that don't take up space in the shoe and they allow your, your foot to fit well in the shoe. So um, socks are a pretty, pretty big deal. And, and most folks, when they see that, you know, there's usually a sticker shock to begin with when mm-hmm. you're paying $13 and up for a pair of socks. But then once you wear them, you know, you're always coming back for more because they're, they make a, they're definitely game changers. When they last a really long time. I mean, that's my only knock on Swiftwick is I'm like, you were talking about left and right footed. I always get super confused because large has the L and I'm like, damn, am I wearing two left socks? And I'm like, oh, never mind. No, it's just large. Um, now, see, I have heard that about in the shop. I've had guys come back to return the socks because they've had two, they got two left. And I'm like, no, no, man, this is a large. So I have heard that. You're not the only one. All right. I feel better about myself. Um, yeah, it is, it is a game changer. And then, like you said, uh, you know, sticker shock, but it's worth it. I mean, if you're going to spend 100 plus on shoes and then you're wearing, you know, like, you know, whatever, just some generic sock that's going to move around on your foot, create blisters. And I think most people that are above kind of novice runner get that. Cause it's just, as soon as you try it, like you said, you know, but I don't think people realize that also like, you know, like you said, changing sock, you know, wit or, uh, thickness and things like that, like based on also like, like Martin could be really, really wet this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. The storm's coming in. Yep. Like that's going to change what sock I'm going to wear because even if you have a really good moisture wicking sock, there are certain socks, like some of the compression ones, you get those things wet, man. I mean, they are sliding around your shoe and then you're bumping into the front blisters. So you just, you figure that stuff out or it's trial and error. But again, if you got a source like yourself and track shack, like those are the questions to ask people, not just like, I got my shoes. See you. Like, you know, I'm going to be running this race here. this type of terrain, like what's the mix, right? Like that's, I don't yeah. think people get specific enough with that stuff. Like there's a lot of options. Well, that comes with your training, right? That you're going to learn you know, for me. I have my rainy day sock and I have my, uh, you know, cold day sock or, or whatever. And so I definitely think that, uh, it, it just comes with experience. And, and I think that that's the reason why that buy three, get one free deal is a good deal because you can just mix and match and, and then, mm-hmm. you know, try, you know, trial and error over time, you know, so many miles, you're going to figure it out. So, well, let's dive into some of the touchier questions. Cause why not? So what, Uh-oh. <laughs> what are some of the biggest, like, I don't know, myths, misconceptions, like common stuff that people come into you either thinking that a running shoe is going to do, or just like in general, like what are some of the biggest things that you're trying to, I guess, re-educate people on, uh, around running, running shoes, whatever it is, like, are there common themes there? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest is the biggest for me is, is fixing, fixing an injury, right? Like somebody's coming in looking for the miracle shoe and, you know, I love shoes, but they, the, the miracle shoe for, for a particular person doesn't exist. There's not one just miracle shoe, right? So we can't just say, Hey, you've been battling plantar fasciitis for two years. We're going to put you in this hoka and it's just going to fix everything. Or you've been battling shin splints for however long, and this is going to fix everything. There's, 
there has to be a plan associated with that footwear selection, right? Like you have to be going to see the farm or, or, or working on strength at home or working on your form or doing the extra stretching or doing the extra massage. That's going to keep you healthy. Um, we have people that have come in and they'll, they've bought, you know, six pairs of shoes this year because they're trying to find the shoe that's going to, to fix everything, you know? So I do think that that is the biggest misconception. And you and I were talking about this the other day, you know, as far as studies have gone in, in injury prevention, I mean, it's, there's the correlation is not there, you know? So, so it, it's not like we're going to put you in, uh, you know, so let's just take, for instance, the most popular selling shoe on the planet right now, probably the, the Brooks ghost. And we're going to put you in that shoe and it's going to fix everything, you know? So I do think that that is probably the, the, the leader uh, of the pack as far as uh, misconceptions go. When I, that goes back to proper fit though, right? If your foot mm-hmm. has adequate room, right? You get a shoe that kind of matches because, and I will actually, let me get your take on this before I open my mouth. Cause you're smarter <laughs> than I am on this. So I, so I, oh, no. I, you know, I have a lot of input on shoes. Cause I think that plays a huge deal with not necessarily getting injured, but like if your foot gets good feedback, right? If you're in a, sure. If you're in a Hoka and you're have a terrible like feedback system, like that's a, that's a bad match, right? Like I don't want you to go in a minimalist shoe, but I need something more responsive because you need that. So if Mm -hmm. I get somebody, this is kind of my like standard, right? And there's no like rule, but if I get somebody that's really, really flexible and not a lot of control. So I always think of like my novice female high school cross country runner, right? They maybe something, not a lot of control, something like that versus Maybe I get my 50 year old executive that's like trying to lose some pounds, stiff as bricks, right? Hasn't run. Like now there may be a comfortable shoe with both of those people that doesn't match what I'm about to say. But like, I typically tell people, Hey, if you're a very stiff person, when you hit the ground, you're going to run out of room really quick, right? Your big toe, your ankle, like they have a stopping point. That's much quicker than that female, you know, 14 year old runner. So maybe mm-hmm. you need a shoe that allows you to dampen load, right? Which mm-hmm. we can go both ways on this. So maybe that you're a Hoka person, right? At first, mm-hmm. until you get accommodated. Mm-hmm. If I put that 14-year-old girl, and this is a bit of conjecture on me, in that Hoka, which I see happen because mom or dad's a trail runner and that's worked for them and then they get the shoe, mm-hmm. that's going to wreck that girl because when she hits the ground, now her ankle moves into the max dorsiflexion the EVA is compressing through all 27 millimeters. And pretty soon she's like, man, my knee is killing me. And you're like, it's not the shoe that necessarily caused it, but it's definitely not helping it. And then trying sure. to tell them, like, like you said, it's hard to say, well, this shoe is going to help you, but it's not fixing your injury either. Right. It's just like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I hope that makes sense to people. Like it's just, it's easier. It's setting a platform for change to occur, but you know, what's your feedback on like these kind of like I don't know, maybe these stereotypes of bodies, like these archetypes. And then like that shoe, do you guys see that play out? Like youth athletes end up in this versus, you know, not just like padding under the foot, but like how they go about like putting somebody in a shoe based on novice runner body type, things like that. Well, I I was, uh, I think a lot of that for me, I see it more on like the marketing side, you know, right now, if you, if you look at your social media feeds and, and, and your MSM page that pops up right away. If you're a shoe guy right now, the leading thing that's popping up is like a, it's like a Hoka, you know, like, like mm-hmm. the, the new mock four, everybody's like raving about kind of people call and ask about it. And we're not even carrying the shoe, you know, but it's like a, it shows the power of that marketing. Right. So that you've got a 14 year old girl 
who sees that marketing and, and her parents see that as well. And it's like, well, this is the shoe. This is the running shoe. Right. And so without even discussing it with a running store or, 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 you know, PT or, or whoever. And so I think that for us, like I was talking to somebody about this the other day, Nike just released this new shoe, the, the invincible, which mm-hmm. is, it's a, it's a Hoka stack height. Uh, with uh, ZoomX foam. So it's the, 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 the foam that everybody's raving about right now as far as the most responsive foam. And, you know, the first guys that wanted to get it were some guys that worked for us that are like high school state champs. And, and you know, and I was like, man, when I was 16, I'll, there's no way I would have, it's, it's awesome, right? Like it looks right. cool and it's, it's got all the new ZoomX foam and all that stuff in it, but that's not the shoe for them, you know? I, I, you know, and so I think that a lot of that you know, for me, and you're, I was, you're way smarter than this, this body type stuff and, 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 and flexibility and, and mechanics and, than I am. I'm looking at it more from a common sense standpoint. Like a Hoka mm-hmm. is not a teenager shoe. You know, I just don't, you know, and, and, and if they're running in it, especially if they're a competitive athlete, like I think that, you know, more traditional styles that aren't, uh, that are allowing their, their foot to develop pretty, that are allowing their, their, their lower legs and to strengthen properly. I think that, that, that's more, uh, that to me, that's more of a common sense thing than it is like, a mm-hmm. uh, necessarily a body type thing. You know, so if I have a 14 year old girl that comes in that weighs 75 pounds, I mean, there's, you, you don't, you don't need Hoka, you know? And so, um, so yeah, I, I do think we, we see that obviously, but I, again, to take it less technical and go more, yeah. I guess, common sense for us, like, you know, it's like, we're not going to put you in that shoe if, if, if we don't think that your body type is, is in need of that. When I like something, you've actually said a couple of points and I hope people pick this up, like using the shoe to kind of almost like develop you, right. You've said numerous times, like, Hey, this mm-hmm. shoe's going to kind of force you to like to use your lower extremity. Uh, I, I'm not going to say use, but it's different, right. It puts different stressors on there, right. It's not going to suck up as much impact, things like that. So I really like that. We're just touching on the fact that like, you know, a shoe's a training aid, right? If you come down to it, like it's a, it allows you to do something. It can also like not allow you to do something, which maybe leads to injury, maybe leads to performance deficit, but the fact that it's going to improve performance, which is our next thing, all right? If it's, if it maybe isn't going to stop an injury, prevent an injury, and now we got to get into the whole, you know, carbon play sub two, like what's the performance gain of shoes, right? If we're not like, I'm beyond injury, right? I'm not coming into Jeff to say, fix my plantar fasciitis. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to go sub three. I'm trying to qualify for Boston, but let's say, let's take it to, we'll give two scenarios, either whatever you want to think elite high school runner or elite marathoner. And then you got your like person just trying to qualify for Boston, which will still, you know, in some realm that's elite, yeah. but like for those two, where does performance gain exist within shoes? Man, you know, this is, this is tough because, you know, every time a new innovation comes up, I'm a little skeptical, you know, it's like when Hoka first hit the market, we were like, we're not touching those things. We're not going to carry them. (laughs) And, and then it was like, okay, we have to carry them because people are wearing them and people are having success with them you know they're comfortable and and people are you know you had these testimonials you know folks that hadn't been able to run for years and they're running again because of hoka you know and so so the the same thing happened with the with the the vaporfly with nike you know when it came out we're like man i don't know about this you know it seems 
far-fetched and and the whole four percent thing and, and all that stuff and so then you look back at how they were studying the shoe and when it was developed you know when they're trying to develop for the sub two guys you know they gave them that shoe on like three or four different platforms and all of them you know they thought they were going to pick the thinnest lightest thing with the plate in it and, and go with it and and all of them liked the more maximal shoe mm. which was totally counterintuitive to nike they thought for sure they're going to be making another racing flat with a carbon plate in it yeah and lo and behold they made this you know the zoom x foam with this you know that's a thicker stack height than than what they thought um and, and so to me like and, and and as being a former competitive runner when i put that shoe on there's a noticeable difference you know, there is a noticeable feedback, which is a good term that you used earlier. Is it, it, there's a noticeable feedback from that shoe. It just feels really good. And it's not just the comfort of it. It's the bounce to it. It's the, the, uh, the efficiency of it. Like, like when you're moving forward, you feel like you almost can't stop moving forward. Um, so, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't raced in it, so I can't, mm-hmm speak from experience. I have trained in them. I've, I've run workouts in them and, and, and the four and, and, uh, the, and I've tried on the alpha fly, but when you see the numbers, uh, in results, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm selling a pair of vapor flies to a guy who's running Houston, I, I this literally happened. Like I said, <laughs> this guy called me, he couldn't find vapor flies anywhere. He lives in San Antonio and he, uh, he says, I'm running Houston this weekend. I heard about the vapor flies. I just want to get them. And I was like, dude, this is like this weekend, right? And he goes, yeah. And he, and he had me ship them to him. He called me on Monday, had a 10 minute PR. Now I, that, I mean, now obviously his training cycle went well, all this stuff went well, it was perfect conditions. You know, there's so many different factors going into this, right? But <laughs> dude ordered two more pairs on Monday, you know? And so I've never seen such a response. Like I can't, necessarily get into and delve into the science of it all and how efficient it is. But when you see some of the results that these guys are having, uh, super competitive guys, your professional athletes, and now on the track with, with uh, um, the uh, dragonfly and the new victories that have a plate built into it, it it's just, it's remarkable. The results that you're seeing, I wish that these bikes would have been around when I was competing yeah. in, in college. Cause they're, they're unbelievable when you try them on. It's, it's, and I think that that's the thing, right? Like the, the, to, to sound cliche, I mean, the proof is in the pudding a bit, but, but when you actually try the shoe on and you feel that difference, just, just jogging around in the shops, I mean, it's, it's impressive. Well, didn't, am I wrong on this? And I don't know if you'll know this. Didn't Kip Chogi come out and say that he thought he could still do it without those shoes? Cause so many people were saying like, Oh, it was like, that was the push. And he's like, I'll do it again. And I, he actually said, he thinks he can do better without the shoes, which he didn't say it was the shoes were hindering him. He goes, I just think I can do better. So yeah, yeah, he, he did. I, I was, I want to say also saw something where, so didn't somebody recently go back and break their record barefoot? Yeah. So, and I, I think that I can't remember where it was, but anyway, yeah, I think that there, obviously there's a lot of weight put into the shoe and, and a lot of folks are like, Oh my God. And they're having these results. But I mean, for a guy like Kipchoge, I'm sure that his ego, <laughs> look, man, this ain't just, Not about, the shoe. It's, it's like the Lance Armstrong thing, right? It's like, I'm on my bike every day for eight hours, you know? So he wants to make sure that, you know, that there was a lot of work put into this. So yeah, I, I'm, 
I'm sure that, you know, and that's the thing too about you have to be careful of, of, of endorsements, right? Like we used to have so many folks want to know what shoe Mev was running in, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, have you seen Mev? I mean, <laughs> you, sh- you shouldn't be running in Mev's shoe. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, he could run in cardboard and, and be fine, you know? And so, so, yeah, I think that, you know, there is something to that. But, uh, and then this is back to your, your point about feedback, you know? If you put that shoe on, and if, if ultimately just up here, it makes you feel faster, that's a huge thing. So um, whether or not the, the 4% part of it's true or the mm-hmm. performance enhancement part of it's true, uh, there's, there's something about, you know, and I'm using Nike as a reference, you know, everybody's come up with their own now, but, but uh, um, the Nike ones have, have proven to be sort of the, uh, the choice of the pros, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's pretty impressive what, what they've done. When maybe we should change it from the placebo effect to the Nike effect, because I also, it's definitely feedback, like actual, like, you know, input, but I mean, I know I have a bunch of high school runners that get in a vapor fly or, you know, now training versions of that. And they're like, dude, it's so much better. And you're like, if, like you said, if you think it's going to make you better, it's kind of like kinesio tape. Like a lot of that has been proven. I mean, (laughs) we use it and it's, there's a lot of actual, you know, true blue effects, but a lot of that's like, it makes you feel like something's okay. Or I run better with this thing. Or, you know, I used to have a quarterback. If I didn't tape his shoulder, he didn't play like, dude, that's a, that's a crutch. Right. So that's what the flip side of it could be like, if it makes you feel faster, but man, if you, you know, that shoe starts to like, what if your performance dwindles and you're wearing that shoe? Like, well, now you got to realize like mm-hmm. that shoe, that shoe ain't doing it. And like, I don't want somebody to get stuck, you know, just like the injury thing. Somebody will find a shoe, like people get lucky and like get a shoe and they're like, dude, my foot feels better. And you're like, it could have been a better fit. It was just different. Like, you know, it's a variability. And then they think that, and then they get that shoe again. Yeah. They're like, what the hell? My foot hurts. And you're like, you know, <laughs> the shoe was part, but it was. Well, made- we see. Yeah. We see that more with orthotics. You know, yeah. so many people come in and have had a custom orthotic for like a dozen years. Right. And they're like, <laughs> I don't ever take this thing out of the shoe. I'm not, and this is going back in the shoe and I'm like, uh, okay. I mean, that's great. I mean, if you, if that's worked for you and that's what you want to do, but, but, uh, folks are like, you know, they are, they love their custom orthotic <laughs> and they're going to, and, and they, it messes with their mind if they don't have it in the shoe. So. When that's, I mean, we always tell people, you know, orthotics are designed to be a training aid that you actually get away from. I always tell people it's like an orthopedic boot. Like that thing is supposed mm-hmm. to help guide movement, change it, get out. The people that stay in an orthotic usually have a pretty significant structural issue, right? Leg length inequality, sure. um, you know, ankle deformities, things like that. And like, they need help, right? If they, especially if they want to run, cause that's just a bigger, more complex movement. But I a hundred percent agree with you. I've seen people, I'm sure you have too, that, it's not only the same orthotic recreated, it's the same orthotic from 12 years ago, <laughs> yeah. which is not doing a single thing to help their foot. And you're like, yeah. you're like, these things are supposed to be replaced, man, is, you know, yeah, yeah. every year or two. So yeah, it's kind of funny. The, the psychological part of it is huge. Uh, We're just using the, going back to the, uh, uh, the, uh, common sense part of that too, is like, Hey, you see the holes, right. And you smell this thing. So let's just go, let's just go ahead and get something new, man. Like you're going to have less, less friends based on how this thing smells, but we can also get your foot to feel better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, sorry. Oh, you're good. 
what's uh i always ask these two questions to every guest what i want to do is try to get these specific to it doesn't have to be running shoes it could be running because you're i mean like you said you've been a in running for i don't know how long what when were you in college so i know you started with track shack so i was yeah i was at uab from 90 uh 93 to 98 so i took that extra fifth year (laughs) (laughs) so you've been in the running world forever so you've seen a lot yeah. of changes. What the question that I ask everybody is what's something that you thought was true, but like it got disproven or it completely changed. Like what's something in the running world or shoe world that, you know, whether that's a training methodology, shoes, like it, what's something that you're just like, man, we used to tell people this, or I used to think this. And that's, you just completely flipped on that thing. Man, this is a big one, right? Um, I tell everybody I need so, some sort of music when I ask this question so I can play it. Cause everybody's like, well, let me, I want people to think about it. So you, I can edit out the thinking time. Yeah. So you think, okay, well you need a final jeopardy, uh, this theme song <laughs> from that. So I'm sitting there thinking about, I should be writing down my answer right now. Um, I think that, um, I, so this is, this is funny. I was talking to somebody about this the other day and, and it, and it's the old, adage with 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 running shoes and injury prevention right like so the old uh, it used to be like a prescription for podorthist and podiatrist was and i'm gonna get i'm gonna say the beast again uh was beast and orthotic that was what they did and we did it we were mm-hmm. we were you know that's that was the that was the prescription and that was the the fix for a lot of foot injuries and so it was to totally immobilize the foot and so, uh, you know, so back in the day, you know, some local podorthists and, and some local podiatrists, I mean, that was the, we used to, we, we still have these prescription pads that we give out to doctors and local PTs and, and they send folks in and say, Hey, you know, they're not recommending a shoe as much as just, Hey, this is what's going on with their foot. And, and, and can you take a look and, and what would you recommend? We used to have folks come in with prescriptions from these local podiatrists and podiatrists that said, beast and my custom orthotic. And it was just, it was the way of the world. You know, it was the, mm-hmm. the, it, it was the, the, the fix for everything. The new balance 990 and a, a custom orthotic or the, uh, the Brooks beast and a custom orthotic. And so, I mean, that, that's the way we used to really fit shoes, you know, again, with, with folks coming in with those prescriptions and, and whatnot, but, um, but also looking at people's feet and, and us having the same take as, as what was recommended by a doctor was to totally immobilize the foot and add more and more support. And, you know, now we really have backed off of that. You know, we've really gotten to, you know, again, when we all started this conversation, you know, is, is going back to uh, natural motion of the foot and, and, and not um, totally immobilizing it. Well, and I, I think that echoes what we tell people all the time is like, you know, you come in, like people call us all the time, like, Hey, or they send me a message like, Hey, I'm dealing with this. Like, what do I do? And I'm like, I have no clue, right? Just because you have, you know, I'm air quoting plantar fasciitis, like that could be for 200 different reasons. And that's kind of what we're saying. Like, just because somebody has foot pain doesn't mean that they, they like, there may be a person that needs a, you know, a beast and an orthotic. I don't know who that is, but maybe there's that like, you know, 0.05% person out there that needs that. But how do you find that out? You talk to them, you find out what, you know, history, all this stuff. Cause you're actually like looking at them as an individual and not going off prescription. So I, I like that. And a testament to you guys is we had our own little prescription pads made for track shack when we very first opened up and it, you know, shoe types and what they're dealing with. 
I don't even send people there with those anymore because all I say is they're good. Like go tell them what's going on. I don't need to write down what's going on. You tell them and then you'll get in a shoe. And I always just say, make sure it's comfortable. That's the only thing I say. And you know, like that's easy enough. And that's where if you have, again, you're not going, not no knock. Like if you go to like Academy and just buy a shoe off the shelf, like that's on you, you know, like you got to make sure you're doing everything right. Yeah. Well, to your point too there, I mean, we, we do use those prescription pads that we've had folks in the past, uh, doctors and PTs in the past, and then only New Balance <laughs> or, or only whatever, only one specific shoe. And I'm like, well, how, how is that? How does that work? You know, I mean, there's no way that you could send somebody in and say, only look at New Balance or only look at Brooks. Mm-hmm. And so, I appreciate you taking the the approach that you have where, Hey, look, let them, let them do their work. You just talk to them and, and, and we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I think like you said, how do, how do I know if something's comfortable? Cause I'll tell people all the time, they, they ask my opinion and I'm like, well, I'll tell you what I wear, sure. but that doesn't matter. Right. Like it's worked sure. for me. I've had shoes that I don't like, but like, you got to go try these things on. Now the flip side sure. of that question is, Again, let's keep it in the running world at large. What's something that you think is true, but there's no like evidence out there. There's no studies. There's no nothing. It's just something you're like, man, I know this is like from like, you know, experience or time. You're like, I know this is the case. Just that's the way it is. And, you know, you couldn't show (laughs) Is there anything like that, that you're always just kind of thinking about or telling people? Man, cue music. I know. Um, Let's see here. <laughs> I, I think that, uh, I, so, and I know, again, we talked about this when I saw you last, uh, about the, the correlation of injury prevention issues and the studies trying to really not showing that being true, right? Uh, I, I do think that going back to support shoes and whatnot, I, I, I went through these injuries in college where it was lower leg stuff and, and I knew a lot of it had to do with the footwear, right? Like we weren't getting as many shoes as we should have gotten, you know? So I was blowing through them and I was running in shoes that were totally worn out. And then when I started working in the store, I had more access to, to, to footwear. And so then I started wearing a more supportive shoe and I saw a difference in my shin pain, you know, now again, the whole correlation with injury prevention and whatnot is, is, is totally another, a whole nother topic or whatever. We could go on for hours about that, but but for me, I do think that there is something to support and, 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 you know, again, I don't want to use the term control because it's sort of being dispelled or whatever, but mm-hmm. that's the only term I can think of right now. So, uh, but I do think there is something to that. And I have seen results with our customers in particular, our good customers, when I change them into, when I think that they might need, and, and for whatever reason, it may not be, you know, what the shoe company wants you to believe as far as it controlling over pronation or, or is over pronation, even the reason why this injury exists, you know? And so it, it may not be those reasons, but I do think there is something too. when I do think somebody needs more support, it does help with, with preventing and, and controlling, or at least helping uh, them get over that injury. So um, I, I do think there is some truth to that. And there's a couple points there. I mean, I'm always curious, you know, you're like, I got into a more supportive shoe and it helped like, you know, could there have been things to work on, you know, from like foot function where the support helped for sure. And I think that's the head that we all hit with runners, right? You kind of have to meet them where they're at. Like you may be able to get their foot and 
you know, their body to work differently, but how much time is that going to take? Time is the biggest culprit with all things, right? Training adaptation, tissue adaptation, but also you're primarily dealing with amateur runners, right? It's not like you have a store full of pro runners. People aren't going to do the stuff to like get there to, you know, make their feet strong, make their ankles mobile. Like the things that may help with the injuries, they may do some, but what do we see the shoe as again, a training aid, right? It's the thing that allows you to do something. But I think what you're also saying in there is you can go too far, right? And then the shoe becomes the hindrance. Like it kind of, it keeps you in that zone and you're only going to get worse the more volume and time. And, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, again, what everyone would call it, motion control, stability, like studies have shown those don't even control pronation, right? You put somebody in a stiff shoe mm-hmm. and they pronate right through it, which is normal. And then you're like, well, what's that doing? It may modify something else. So I think it's, it goes back to feedback and you know, that you got in that different shoe. It was a different platform. You had the ability to get in different shoes more often, again, different feedback. Mm-hmm. And maybe that should be like, maybe the takeaway of this is like, you know, you want a comfortable shoe that fits right. So you have good feedback and then you need to, you know, well, this is one question we haven't asked. So let's ask this towards the end. The what's the rule now? Has it been updated on like how often you're supposed to change your shoes? Are you supposed to be rotating shoes? Like has any of that changed is what we're telling runners? Yeah, I, I think that, uh, so I think the overall durability of the shoe is the same. You know, everybody uh, says, you know, uh, your, your manufacturers are going to say, depending upon the shoe, 400 to 500 miles is usually what we say. <laughs> Uh, a lot of folks will put a time on that where they're just going to get two pairs of shoes a year. And so it's every six months. Um, a lot of folks have indicators, you know, where their knee will start to bug them a little bit or their heel or their shin or, or whatever. And they're like, okay, it's time to get a new pair. Um, so that the overall durability and, and when you change out shoes is I think has not really changed a ton. I do think that with the improvement of materials with these new foams, um, I do think that towards the end of the life of the shoe, say at 500 miles on a pair of shoes, it just feels better nowadays because the foam is just better, right? You know, and it's just more durable. And so it's going to feel better at 500 miles than it did in the past. So I've changed the way that I word that to customers. Now, when somebody asks the difference between $160 shoe versus $120 shoe, it's like, well, these are the same, it's the same mileage. It's just, at 500 miles, this $160 shoe is going to feel better versus this $120 shoe. So um, I do think there is, you know, that that has changed for me. The other thing mm-hmm. is is rotation. I think is huge. Um, I think that, and, and, and the way that I used to tell the folks this is to, you know, most companies design shoes in three. So they want you to have a lightweight trainer to tempo in. They want you to have a middle of the road shoe to, to do the majority of your mileage in. And then they want you to have a high-end shoe to do your long runs and recovery runs in. Um, so that still is true. And I, I think there's something to that. If you're a person that's training for Boston or if you're a weekend warrior and you're trying to get PRs in 5Ks and 10Ks or win your age group or whatever, I think that that's a good, uh, a good way to have a shoe rotation. Mm-hmm. The other way for me now and, and where this has changed for me is, is uh, and I learned this from one of the guys who worked for us, Q, he started wearing more of a support type shoe just when his feet were bothering, <laughs> you know, so it's like, okay, I've got a support shoe and I've got a neutral shoe and, you know, he obviously works in the store. So he's got a bunch of shoes, but if you have one of each, say, let's use, who have I not mentioned today? Saucony. Let's use Saucony for instance. So Saucony has the rod, which is their most popular selling neutral shoe. And they have the guide, which is their most popular selling support shoe. 
um, I think it's good to have both of those on the shelves for different days. So mm-hmm. the neutral shoe, if you, you, you wake up and you're about to hit the road and you're feeling pretty good and you're going for your, just your normal five mile day, then, you know, wear your, your favorite, you know, or, you know, wear your favorite one, whichever one that may be. But I do think that that supports you is there for days that you might feel beat up. Um, it's going to give you a, a little help, I guess is the way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also if you, if you have chronic conditions like plantar fasciitis or Achilles stuff, then wear the support shoe on those days that that's bugging you. So I do mm-hmm. think there's different, now there's a bunch of different ways to rotate shoes, but I do think that that's uh, a new way for me to recommend it to customers. Well, and for the clinicians that maybe listening to go a little in the technical range, like, you know, that we always talk about movement variability is important, right? If you just run, you're going to get worse at running, right? You have to mix it up. That's what you're saying about shoes, right? The variability of the shoe determines different outcomes. And then to go more technical, you know, those longer days with the shoe that may be more supportive also goes into like neuromuscular fatigue. You absolutely change running patterns. If you've had back-to-back hard days or you're up, you know, volumes way up you change how you run. That's why, you know, we're doing running drills and stretching to like offset kind of that. It seems weird to say you get worse at running, you get more aerobically fit, but your patterns become more ingrained and that can like wear, you know, an injury pattern. So I think that's good to understand, like, you know, the shoes are, again, it's a training aid, it's equipment, right? It's not Mm -hmm. just a shoe for your foot that feels good. It's like you use it specifically like why do people buy a trail shoe? Cause it's got mm-hmm. more grip, more studs, you know, all these things for the terrain, for what you're using. And then, you know, think yeah. of ultra with like the, the King, right? Like a strap for downhill. So you're not just like blowing through the shoe. Like they did these things on purpose. It's a gear choice. Sure. Um, the thing I want to ask you is something that's just, I've always had the question. So I tell people all the time, like if you had money, wasn't an issue, we'd, I'd have you buy 10 pairs of shoes. Like if you're dealing with an injury, cause I could use certain shoes to manipulate what I want to happen mm-hmm. is, is the, the thought process on the shoe rotation. Also, I used to hear that it was the compression of the foam. Like if you ran one day, the foam compressed, then it needed to bounce back a refractory period. Is that true? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that there's something to like the, the memory foam aspect. I always use that as a, uh, as an analogy. It's like, a you know, the memory foam bed, you know, when you compress it, you know, and you get off of it and it, and it raises back up. So, you know, we have a ton of folks who their running shoe ends up becoming their most comfortable shoe. So they just, they don't wear it just for running. They're wearing it all day long, you know? And yeah. so if you, if you can imagine wearing it all day long, you know, you run in the morning or the evening or whatever, and you're walking around in it all day, standing on it all day, but that foam is there and compressing, compressing, and compressing. And if you don't give it that time to regain its memory, then it's going to just break down quicker. So I definitely think there, I think there's something to that as well. And that used to be just the the number one reason for recommending rotate. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I would heard, but like, I also like, which I'm going to call my ignorance out on this, like the shoes in threes. I didn't really think about like them designing lines like that. Obviously, you know, you have like a racing flat and a trainer and things like that, but I didn't think about shoe companies designing it like that per se. So kind of interesting. And we're (laughs) honestly, we're coming to the end. So it's a good way to say, Hey, what's up. But like, I think you and I could talk about shoes like ad nauseum because there's all, there's a lot of different ways to approach it. Right. Like, you know, sure. the injury thing you could literally spend like a couple hours on and like really get into the details on it. So maybe what's cool is if, you know, based on feedback on this, if people have a lot of questions, maybe we'll pull you back on for like an Instagram live and just kind of like do a quick, like 
hey, this is about socks. Who knows? Maybe like something sure, sure. I think it would be about. But like yeah. tons of good info. And I hope people, even clinicians, like this is the, I always say like, you know, you have more touch points than that like single runner, right? That's why like I want to do a podcast because if like 10 clinicians heard this, they talk about these things, like hundreds of runners are like, well, I'm going to go to my running shoe store. And like, if they're not doing what Jeff was talking about, like maybe I'm gonna go someplace else or like, you know, try something else that's sure. a little more like individualized and in depth. So that's why I'm doing this stuff. So like good people doing good work, get that information out. And then it kind of like ripples outward. So before sure. we get you off here, man, is there anything like any like words of wisdom, anything else that you're just like, I got to tell people this before they go get their next <laughs> pair of running shoes? Uh, no, man. I mean, I, I just, I appreciate you doing this. I mean, I, it's been, you know, we have a lot of, uh, doctors and, and PTs that we have relationships with and, and, uh, you know, we're doing more and more stuff these days to, to with them, you know, which I think is great. It's not like this, uh, used to be, I feel like, you know, docs were, oh yeah, just go pick up a shoe anywhere, you know, no big deal. And now I think they're realizing the importance of going to a store like ours. And, and I appreciate you uh, pointing that out and, and having me on. Um, we, we just, for us, man, it's, 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 the shop isn't all about running either. You know, it's, it's about just coming in and, you know, shooting the crap with us and hanging out and, you know, and, and talking about, you know, whatever. And so I think that that's the, the, the thing that, that, we do well too is, is, uh, want to make folks feel comfortable about coming in. You know, we have a lot of folks who, you know, walk in and they know that I ran in college. They know Scott was an Olympic trials athlete. They know, you know, everybody in is a competitive high school athlete. And so we've always had to fight that, um, that, uh, uh, you know, making folks feel comfortable, you know, to, to come in and see us and realizing that we're fitting folks from, you know, standing on a daily basis or have to wear a running shoe because of their feet, their foot problems and, and, and uh, as a dress shoe, you know, and, and we're fitting folks that are running, you know, hundred miles a week, you know, so we try to fit everybody the same and treat everybody mm. the same in that same instance. So um, I, I think that uh, it's, it's changed, you know, for me, just because I'm not running competitively anymore that I don't necessarily want to talk to somebody about the sub two hour attempt or, you know, that stuff on a daily basis, like, Hey, so, uh, you know, how was the weekend and that sort of thing, you know? So, and I think that that's where our store has had some success and I definitely want to make sure that everybody knows that they can be comfortable coming into a shop uh, where some folks that may be runners can still fit you for whatever your activity level. Well, and that's a really good point to end on too, is most of the amateur runners that really get into running. Yeah. There's a lot of like wanting to get better and, you know, lose weight PRs, but like, the biggest thing that people tell me when they're not running is one of two things. The reason they got to get back is the community. They want to go back and like, you know, run with the, the group or whatever, but then it's the like anxiety relief aspect, right? Like mm -hmm. they don't run. And it's like, that's both of our goals, right? Like you're saying comfortable, sure. keep people involved. Like if you don't think of running as like, it's not always as high end performance, like working with Olympians and stuff like you're, bread and butter in that store or people that are involved in the Birmingham community and you're trying to keep them involved or whatever that means, right? Like got to go to work, got to sure. do whatever. And you guys have definitely been a pillar of Birmingham for much longer than I've lived here. So I appreciate what you guys do and uh, appreciate being on, man. Just uh, putting some great information out there and we'll definitely pull you back on for some Q&A or maybe another podcast. Man, it sounds great, man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. It's, it's an honor, honestly, dude. I, I really appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can also go watch this if you're listening or you can go listen if you're watching. Um, we're on YouTube as well as on all uh, uh, podcast platforms. Uh, if you would like, leave us a review, drop us a comment, five stars, write something. You can also get a hold of me at social media. Uh, at Dr. Bo Beard on Instagram and Facebook and always happy to uh, answer questions, uh, field comments and specific to this podcast with uh, Jeff from Track Shack and uh, on the topic of running shoes. If you have some topics that you'd like us to hit via an Instagram live in the upcoming weeks, let me know and we'll take care of those for you. Thanks for listening.